Hey guys, so in the second episode of Mark, we're going to discuss retiring in Portugal. The pros and cons and kind of discuss life a little bit as an early retiree in Portugal and how you can utilize its system, taxes, uh, country and culture to make the most out of your early retirement. And yeah, kind of compared to other routes, how do you get there? Dive into the details, you use Mark's story as a case study, how he has done it uh, through working in IT earning his money um, overseas and abroad and from there moving to a local country like Portugal why it works and why it's awesome so yeah sit back relax and enjoy the show I uh, hope the second episode or the second episode with Mark is going to be awesome Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast where we interview people from all 44 European countries all of them about optimizing your life geo arbitrage and making the most of your money this was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matias. Hello, guys. Welcome, everybody, back again to the Financial Independence Europe podcast. We got a brand new episode for you. Well, technically not a brand new one. Episode number two, um, together with Mark, we're going to discuss this time the retiring, living in Portugal, the pros, cons, tech situation, lifestyle, uh, cost, and everything in between. Debate that one. And to help me out with that, I've got my co-host, Matias. Hey, Matias. Hello, guten Tag, hola. Awesome. And obviously, uh, the guest of today, Mark. Hi, Alva. Well, Mark, awesome uh, to have you again. Uh, well, in episode number one, we already discussed your origin story. So, listeners, if you want to hear Mark's origin story, go back to episode one and start listening from there. Uh, and we're going to dive straight in um, to the main topic of today, which is retiring Portugal. And as I mentioned in the, uh, the intro, the pros and cons and everything. And to kind of like get started, Mark, could you like give us a brief breakdown of like why is Portugal awesome to retire in? Uh, tax, living wise, cost, culture, fire away. Yeah, I mean, I think the key is, you know, when I was looking for retire, as, as you know from the last episode, it, you know, it was planned. It wasn't something that just happened. I actually started looking for places to live, because uh, to retire in and, and be happy. I knew I didn't want to live in the UK because it's too cold and too expensive. Um, and I didn't want to live in the US because, again, it's, it's very expensive. Healthcare is the worst thing there. So I actually looked at places like Mexico and Panama and uh, Ecuador. I spent time in all of these places looking um, and actually lived in Mexico for a little bit. But once I found Portugal, um, I think the, the big statement there for me is it's inexpensive living, but it's still civilization, where a lot of other places um, that people retire in a, a what I would call, well, they're not a European civilized country with drinkable water, good roads, good restaurants and, and beaches and everything else that you need. So, I mean, for me, Portugal is the lifestyle, the laid back lifestyle. It's very safe. It's the fourthest, I think, safest country in the world right now, which is very important. Well, at any time in your life, but as you get older, safety becomes more important because you're not so nimble on your feet. It's um, inexpensive to live. Um, it's as you, you guys have seen, I know you did your, your conference here. You probably noticed if you're in tourist areas, it seemed cheap, but when you get a or cheap or inexpensive, or, but when you get away from the tourist areas, it's, it's, it's very, very reasonable to live. You can pick the weather you want. Um, just in this small country, there are so many different weather locations. You know, you can be in the hot Algarve if you just want sun all the time and heat. Um, and you can go to the north of Portugal for more wetter, cooler weather. Um, or you can go to the mountains, um, Estrella Mountains, where you can ski much of the time. So to me, Portugal offers everything and it's still part of a first world European community. 
you're also mentioned, um, I think in the last episode, that you lived in, in Greece. How would you compare it to Greece? What, um, what is the difference? Well, first of all, I, I lived in Greece a long time ago. Um, that, was, that was kind of my first thing out of the UK. I, I wasn't working in Greece. It was more of a, you know, a, a young, very early 20s party time for me after, after school. Greece at the time was wonderful, but it, it was before the Euro um, and it was before, uh, you know, before a lot of the, the other stuff that's happening with them now. So Greece was great at the time. And um, the truth is, through my um, FI um, career, FI financial independence, moving through my career, Greece was one of the places for retirement I always had um, in the forefront of my mind. But as I moved through, Greece changed a little bit. The economy changed. Um, I don't really, really know how to say it. I guess the feeling. I, I mean, I've visit I visited Greece quite a lot. I was there a couple of years ago. It's not a happy place like it, like it was when I, when I was there. So I, I still think Greece is great. I love visiting the islands. Um, but for living, um, for me, Portugal just, just ticks a lot more boxes. You mentioned that it's also not expensive. Could you walk us through like some of the normal spendings you, you would do on a regular basis, like insurance, food, transportation? Uh, what do you actually pay in Portugal that you can live maybe, as you mentioned, from 1,000 euros per month? Well, a lot of the things that people don't realize become the most expensive depending on where you're from. Okay, So if you're looking from the United States side of things, it's health care. Right, healthcare can cripple you when you're retired. Um, it's it, even if you're healthy, you can pay upwards of a thousand dollars a month per person um, for healthcare in the United States very easily. So, so that can that can kill a lot there. Whereas in Portugal, healthcare they have a f almost free healthcare system where, where it's public health. If you're resident, it's based on your residency. And if you're resident here, you you actually have access to the to the very very good public healthcare system where I think you have to pay four euros eighty for a doctor visit and and pretty much everything else is free. Personally, I go with private health insurance. It's very very good, and I I think I pay forty eight euros um, per month for me, and and I think. But about the same for my wife. Um, so that makes a big difference. As far as living expenses, if you rent here, um, providing you're out of the Algarve, which is very expensive because of the tourists, and providing you're out of Lisbon, which is obviously a, um, a capital city um, with millions of people there where, where things are expensive, you can, you can find very reasonable rental accommodation. I have friends, uh, American friends actually, that live just um, about five minutes away from me. Uh, if you go to the post I did on my website that we're discussing, you'll see a picture of the house. They have a two-bedroom, um, very nice apartment, um, that they pay, I think, 350 euros a month for. Uh, I purchased my house recently, um, and I paid a little over 250,000 euros. Uh, it's five-bedroom, 352-square-meter house, which when you purchase a house here, you pay tax on. So that's something to include, and it's not huge, but you still pay, pay tax on top of that amount. But then your annual taxes are very, very uh, low. I guess, comparatively. My annual taxes on my house are 264 euros a year. However, Portugal is really looking to try and attract people um, uh, to come and live here, especially retirees. So they, they give you the, the first three years um, taxes on your house for free. They, they don't charge you for it. And you can, you can actually extend that another two years. So they can, you can 
basically get free taxes um, on your house when you purchase for the first five years. Uh, and then some of the other items which make Portugal inexpensive, food um, is, is, is relatively inexpensive. I mean, I wouldn't say it's, it's really cheap, but you, you, can, you can get things from the local markets and, and things that are in season are, are, are quite a bit um, less expensive than other places that I've lived. Eating out, provided you're not in tourist areas, um, is, again, relatively uh, inexpensive. We usually eat out at one of the local restaurants that, that, that are here um, within walking distance. And, um, you know, if you have a, um, a plate of whatever it may be, um, you know, uh, pork or steak or ribs or whatever you want, you're usually seven or eight euros per person. Um, and then alcohol is very cheap. You know, a glass of wine is usually one euro, or if you want to buy a litre, it can be three euros, um, and beer too, usually one euro a, a, a beer. So when you start adding up what you spend just going out in many places, that makes a big difference, um, as well as uh, things like rental and stuff. And then, you know, travel, um, insurance on cars um, is relatively inexpensive, where cars themselves are relatively expensive, actually quite a bit more expensive than other, than other uh, European countries that I've at least. Council tax, or do they have an equivalent for that in Portugal? No, your tax is on your house, but uh, there's no there's no council tax or or, or any anything like that. Um, so if you're renting, you don't get to do that. And the, I guess the other thing, um, I, I don't know whether this is the appropriate time to talk about the non-habitual tax residency, um, or is that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so when you, I mean, you talk about taxes here. Um, just just to step back a little bit, Portugal has been trying to uh, attract. I guess what you'd call retirees or, or maybe even digital workers um, that will come and live in Portugal and spend their money here. However, don't necessarily want to work in Portugal and take Portuguese jobs. Um, so there's lots of things around that, as well as the, the taxes on the houses that I just mentioned. Um, they also bought out a, a program called the Non-Habitual Tax Residency. What this is, is it's a 10-year period that you can apply for when you first come to live in Portugal and you become a resident that allows you to receive passive income. What they mean by that is things like dividends, um, interest, um, pension payments, and things like that from other countries tax-free in Portugal. So for the first 10 years, depending on where your income comes from, and obviously it's, taxes are always a complex matter, so I'm please don't take what I'm saying is literal, talk to a tax advisor, but um, with the non-habitual tax residency, it's possible that you can actually live in Portugal tax-free or with minimal tax for the first 10 years. Um, and the Portuguese do that to try and attract, again, retirees or digital nomads and things like that. And I found it set up pretty interesting because I imagine many retirees or people want to retire young, they've got their stock portfolio or dividend growth portfolio or real estate or other cash flowing assets and um, they could literally move over from a UK, a Germany, etc., over to Portugal. I mean, obviously potentially pay some tax in uh, the countries where their income is coming from, but pay no income or income tax at all on that income in Portugal. Combine that with extremely cheap cost of living, 1K a month, um, have a really good quality of life, um, combine those two, and in that way, literally shave off decades of the actual retire date if they would want to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, in, the, in the article I wrote, that I, I say in there, literally, if I would have, 
If I would have had in mind a country like Portugal and understood the benefits of it um, a lot more and done more research, I could have probably retired 10 to 15 years earlier. I could. I mean, my my target for FI was kind of the, the standard 25 to 30 times your your annual requirements to live um, is, is kind of what's the standard. And, and, you know, when you look at what it costs you to live and you take that into consideration, that's a big part of it. Because, you know, if it's costing you, I don't know, 5,000 a month to live in, in a, you know, in a, in a first world European country um, or, or a big city, if you can bring that down um, to one fifth of that, bring it down to a thousand, it has a ripple effect back on everything else that you do about how much you need, how much you need to make um, and everything, everything else. And I think it's personally in the FI, um, the FI lifestyle, I think it's things that people forget to look at a little bit. They look at where they're currently at, how much it costs to live, how much they've got to save to live like that, um, rather than saying, okay, as well as being frugal on what I'm spending and as well as saving and trying to make as much money as I can, let's take a look at if, the, if it's possible to bring all that down as far as the cost to living is concerned, because it just brings everything a lot closer. Um, and honestly, 10 to 15 years, it would have taken off my retirement um, if I'd have known that I could, that I could live in Portugal with all these benefits. And what does it take to actually do that? Because if we're thinking about a thousand a month, 12,000 a year, a 300k portfolio, just purely based on a 4% rule, you could withdraw a K, 1k per month, live without in Portugal and retire the moment you reach 300k and go for lean fire. Obviously, uh, probably need a bit of more of a cushion than that one. And if you ever would want to move back home, uh, you would be kind of screwed in the sense that your cost of living or your income are based on what you used to in Portugal and say you want to move back to Germany or France or whatever, it would be really hard to get the same kind of life quality. So probably get a bit more than, you know, the bare minimal, but the principle that if you're like, hey, you know, I just want to take five years of work and do something else, then uh, focus fully on my career, raise my kids for the first five years and be with them and do it in a different country uh, or whatever, the, the ways you can use this and utilize the benefits. I mean, they're obviously kind of like endless. Uh, and I do find it pretty awesome, like how Portugal approaches this. And um, one thing I also kind of like wanted to cover is in the last episode, we talked a bit kind of like the day to day and the lifestyle and like how the Portuguese live a bit more. Could you maybe also walk us through like, you know, how does a normal day for you look like, um, you know, as a financially independent retired person in Portugal? Oh, well, that's a difficult question because I don't, it, it's like I don't really have a routine now. It's, it, it, it's whatever goes. But to give you an idea, I'll give you a couple of dates, um, for instance. So, so let's take, I think, Wednesday last week. I, I got up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually one of those people who's still up early. I'm still, even though I've been retired for three years, my brain's still in work mode. So I'm usually up quite early, um, six or seven o'clock, sometimes earlier than that. I get up and have coffee and then I, I'm, reading news on the on the computer um, sometimes you know uh, looking at my website stats or updating updating posts on there we'll sometimes go out for coffee in the morning um, up to the to the local um, restaurant uh, slash pastry coffee shop that I mentioned earlier we'll walk up there and have coffee and maybe a pastry or something and then usually it's come back and work around the house you know um, this is this has been it for the last few months um, painting a wall I jet washed the yard um, for six hours I think it was the day before yesterday and then we'll go out for lunch two or three times a week and and then um, in the evening we'll decide whether we want to eat eat in or and, and cook a meal or whether we feel like going out and then we'll 
typically go to one of the one of the closer restaurants. Sometimes we'll go down into Kelders, into town, but not often. We we kind of like the small village lifestyle a lot better. So a lot of it's that, and then you know. I'll be in front of a computer sometimes checking investments, see what's going on there, looking at the P2P stuff, seeing if anything needs moving around and make, make sure, keeping an eye on it, make sure everything's going as it should be. And it's generally that kind of thing, you know. Um, other days um, we'll get up and if we decide, sometimes we'll drive to Spain. We've, we've done a few vacations where we just jump in the car because the border's only, you know, an hour and a half away from here. And you can be in Spain and, and go, go have lunch in Spain sometimes. It's a retired lifestyle, but there's still there's still plenty to do, uh, especially after purchasing the house. It sounds very relaxed, and <laughs> it's always good to go for lunch to Spain. Uh, I also would like to do that. One question: uh, uh, What's really important for people is also social interaction. And when you move from from one country to just another country, then normally you might miss your friends, or you have to make new friends. You you're not able to go like to meetups about artificial intelligence in the evening um you you missing innovative people maybe i don't know if they, if they are in, in portugal are there innovative people can you connect all also with new people do you have friends in portugal uh how's uh, your social life i would say in portugal well there's, there's two parts to it so social life as far as um let's say a business social life um there's lots of things you can do in lisbon which is a 45 minute drive away so when you talk about you know um fi or ai and things like that if you the, there are groups um, in Lisbon um, that you can go to. And mostly, because it's a very international city, a lot of the, a lot of the things are, uh, are often done in English, um, which obviously for me is helpful. So it, for that kind of thing, it's, it's more Lisbon. It's, um, there, there are actually quite a few expat groups um, in the Caldas area, um, and there's always something to do pretty much every night. The, the, hardest, the, the hardest thing for me, actually, is getting some time in, because I, I am actually a movie person. I love to watch a good movie, but um, here in Caldas, where we're at, there's, there's just so much stuff to do. It's um, expats getting together for bowling, or and then there's my wife likes to go to ladies groups, and they have ladies groups for um, like there's an international ladies group where they have I guess they they have something every week where somebody comes and presents something, and that could be investments, it could be um, growing plants, it could be I mean pretty much every different thing. So there's lots of there's as much as you want to do to be to be honest with you. You never I don't think I don't think you're ever going to sit there and be bored. Um, if if you want to be out there in the community, I mean, even where I live, I live in a small village just outside of Caldas. I mean, literally three minutes from the center, but it's still, the way, way it works in Portugal is even the towns are made up of lots of little small village, villages. I guess that's anywhere in Europe, really. But um, my community here, you know, I mean, we've literally only lived here since uh, March when we bought the house in Caldas. But we know we know everybody, expats and locals, um, uh, mainly to do with the small coffee shop that I said everybody everybody goes through there at some point yeah it doesn't sound that you're bored um, and you're feeling alone in, in Portugal so it uh, really seems to check off a lot of boxes uh, for everything you need in life so um, honestly uh, everybody from an industry country here in the podcast should ask themselves uh, what are they waiting for and why not moving I would say <laughs> well you, you know uh, exactly right I mean if you if you're worried about being alone don't be because Portugal is like the hottest commodity as far as, as, as places to move to right now anybody who's who's got a computer in front of them and can Google can, can see that. 
Um, and, you know, there's, there's so many people here, likely from whatever country you're from. I mean, here where I'm at, um, the house above me is French and Belgians, I think they are. The house below me is Portuguese. The one at the top of the road is a, is, is a Portuguese guy who was lived in Canada for 30 years and then retired back to Portugal. Uh, I mean, there's French, there's, there's uh, Germans, uh, uh, Belgium. I mean, there's, I can't think of a nationality. There are. There's Americans, Canadians, uh, obviously lots of British um, around because Portugal's kind of been a, uh, you know, a Brit hotspot for a long time. I don't know whether that's good or bad, but, it, but it's just a fact. So lots of friends. Um, the, the Portuguese are very welcoming. If you, if you want to get into the local communities there or in most places, there are big ex- expat communities. And I think what it is, uh, because people are expats or immigrants or whatever you want to call them, I know there's always an argument about what, what they should be called, um, they tend to make more of an effort of community than, it, than, than possibly if you were back in your own country. Uh, I mean, I, I have friends in America that I keep in, and in England, um, that I keep in touch with uh, a lot through Facebook and stuff like that. Um, and they visit, they visited me a few times. They love to come visit. So, I mean, I don't feel lonely at all. Um, quite the opposite, actually. Love it. And one question as well, like, do you need to know Portuguese? Like, is English good enough to get around? You know, a lot of people, I mean, English is, the, is kind of the second language for most Europeans, right? Um, wherever you go, you know, I don't know hardly any Portuguese, you know, apart from hello, goodbye and, and the, the standard stuff. Um, and I do, I do find most of the Portuguese in, in the little town speak some English or you can find um, someone, someone to help you that does speak Portuguese. Now, that being said, my wife's going to Portuguese school and I will. Um, I, I intend to learn Portuguese once I, once I get the, the house sorted out. That's kind of my focus at the moment. Um, and we actually just signed up. Uh, the Portuguese actually, the Portuguese government actually provide free Portuguese training um, for new residents uh, because they they want them to learn Portuguese and keep the Portuguese language going. So we just signed up for school beginning in September. You can get along without it in most places, but if you live in a small Portuguese village where there's no expat community, you're going to need Portuguese. But, but I've been fine without it. Gotcha. And I think most of us, everybody who listens to this, we're all open-minded people. We want to learn new things. And if you move to a country, you want to actually learn the language uh, to become part of it more and more. But yeah, Mark, th- this is really, really awesome because it's so practical, but at the same time, also lifestyle. So good at the same time in terms of combinations and just kind of like to summarize for everybody, like, you know, why is Portugal awesome? What are the pros and cons? Kind of like what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong. The first 10 years, obviously paying no income over, or sorry, no tax over foreign income. They're really low cost uh, of living, 1K a month, no taxes on properties, a really good proper health insurance uh, versus other countries like Germany, England, US, etc., where it's far more and more expensive. Combining those, uh, all those, extremely nice communities, good place to live, uh, amazing food, can definitely uh, second end when we went for dinner every single evening, really great fish. And combining all those together, that's just kind of like what makes Portugal attractive as a retirement living and probably even just if you still work and earn your money abroad destination. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, 
if, if, you, if you have a way to make income that doesn't require your physical presence in a location, yeah, I mean, even something that else that I didn't uh, mention about the NA, uh, the national, uh, sorry, the, the non-habitual uh, tax residency is, even if it's not passive income, even if you're working, say you're a digital nomad or something like that, um, if, if you qualify for the non-habitual tax residency, um, you actually pay a flat 20% tax. Again, you need to talk to your accountant to make sure you qualify and everything else, but um, even that is, is still a lot less than you're going to pay in other countries. So Portugal for me is everything you said, um, the, the cost of living, the safety is something that you didn't mention that to me is very, very important. You know, we often leave our doors unlocked and windows open and things like that. And, and we don't worry about it. That's not to say there's no crime because in a country where, you know, the average, the average monthly wage is about 900 euros a month and the minimum wage is 600. Um, the, there is petty crime, uh, but, but violent crime is very, very uh, scarce. Um, the weather, being able to choose the weather you want to live in. There's a good um, quality of um, real estate here or, you know, houses, to purchase if you if you want to purchase and they're very reasonably priced um, and for me as an investment I don't think house prices are going down here anytime soon the way that uh, people are coming in um, so there's another uh, investment if you and I know part of the five for a lot of people is buying um, rental properties um, so if you think about um, the short-term holiday rentals um, in the touristy places like the Algarve or the Silver Coast Nazir where the you know the top surfing location for pretty much the world um, for a lot of big waves. Um, if, you're, if you're doing FI, it's possible to be able to uh, purchase rental properties and, and do that here too. Um, so everything you said, healthcare, uh, price, weather, um, is for me, makes it <clears throat> makes Portugal the location where um, I, I don't see me moving from here. Never say never, but I don't see me moving from here ever, anytime soon. So the only disadvantages are loud roosters in the morning and bureaucracy so that you have to wait for everything in, in the national institutions. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the roosters in the morning are a choice. I mean, if you live in the country, that's just what you have to deal with. You know, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of Portuguese, um, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a normal thing where if you live in the country, they have a few chickens or goats or geese or whatever it is, and you, you get used to it. Your brain doesn't hear it after a while. Um, the bureaucracy is huge. I mean, I could, I could spend 20 minutes talking about that, but I won't. But it's anything, anything that you think you might be easy in another country, just changing your address when you move house can take days. Um, and you really have to just chill out um, because otherwise you, your head will explode with some of the stuff that just doesn't make sense on the bureaucracy. But, you know, a lot of it comes from, I believe, from, you know, uh, very recently still being um, kind of a, a cordoned off dictatorship in the 70s. And I think it, they're still catching up with a lot of process and, and things from, you know, from first world countries that, that we, we are used to that they don't get. Something I complain about a lot is the driving. That's something you just have to get used to. Um, uh, Portuguese drive the way they want, and, and that's the way they do it. And and, and you just have to be drive very defensively um, and make sure you watch what's happening. Um, and and the funny thing is that the accident level here is is no more than anywhere else in Europe. Um, so I, I guess because the roads aren't that busy. What else? Getting things done. Uh, I mentioned earlier about you know. I've, I've been trying to get a glass place to come out and fit 
um, shower cubicles. We had the bathrooms redone. That's part of the whole redoing the house thing. And um, I've been trying to get this company to come out and give me quotes for, for glass to make these two shower cubicles. And, and we've been down there two or three times and spoke to them and sent emails back and forth. And I've still not been able to, it's about a month now, I've still not been able to get anybody out and actually do that. Things like that. I'm not like major life-changing things, but they get really frustrating when you want to get something done. We've actually found a, a, a builder, um, a Portuguese guy, the builder that speaks that speaks um, very good English and, and he's very reasonably priced and actually shows up um, when he says he's going to do and does a good job. And um, There's lots of them in Portugal, but when you find one that's got all those qualities, hang on to them and, and, and take care of them because they're, they're like gold. Um, that's... That's a frustrating thing. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think of any other negatives. Um, in winter, it get, uh, in winter, it, it's uh, the humidity levels get very high, which make it seem cold, even when it's not. You know, it can be, it can still be 18 degrees um, and feel like it's 13 in winter with the humidity high. That can be. Uh, a little bit um, that catches people unawares sometimes because you know in the the, the temperature is very mild. I mean, very. Five, five or uh, seven degrees, the coldest at night it typically gets here in Caldas, where I am in the, in the Algarve, it's warmer. But it can feel a lot less because of the humidity. So, so in winter, that can catch people unawares sometimes. Okay, Mark. So thank you for that. And do you know where people could find you online? Is there, are you in mixed reality or websites, uh, Snapchat? Um, mostly it's, it's on my website. It's um, uh, obviousinvestor.com. Mm. Um, and if you go to the, the blog section of there, you'll see the, you'll see the article I wrote on Portugal and fire in Portugal. Um, I'm actually been considering writing a couple more too, so it might be worth keeping your eye on there. I get lots of questions, just obviously like this, this um, uh, podcast about it. So um, I'm trying to figure out what else I might be able to write to, to help people look uh, more at Portugal. Pretty cool. Uh, we also link uh, these in our show notes so that people can find it easily. And is there any resource or something not well known, like a book or a video or something like that, that you would recommend to people? You already mentioned the portfolio theory in the last episode. Is there anything else instead, um, other than Harry Brown? I think that was the name. If you're already fi, the stuff that I used were, were um, the books that I used were Your Money or Your Life by Vicky Robin and then the early retirement extreme and Money Mushtas, the standard stuff that people use. But um, as far as investments, you, you know, as we discussed earlier, it, it's finding something that you're comfortable with. Um, you know, my, my growth portfolio, I publish um, the results every month and it averages, uh, it averages over the years, you know, a little under 10%, which I'm comfortable with. There's, there's ways of making more money, but you you have to take more risk. Uh, so it's balancing it out. Any other books or blogs? Um, Maybe something for people who are already FI, anything interesting for them? Who are already FI for income, like your peer to peer lending, um, portfolios and things like that. Um, is a, is a good thing to look at. Is that what you mean? Um, I, on my website, I publish the peer-to-peer -peer portfolio stuff. Too. Yes, 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 something like that, but also maybe doing some activities like how to learn uh, playing an instrument or how to, what, what are people doing normally when they are FI? I think that's I think that's very personal. Uh, I mean, I've only been FI for three years, so I'm still coming down. You know, I in my career I traveled a lot, and it was a real high stress job. 
So I think I think the first couple of years, for me at least, were just spent enjoying it. I lived in the Algarve for the first couple of years I was here, um, and honestly, it was a lot of it was just enjoying enjoying it. You know, a um, little bit of partying, a little bit of just relaxing, a little bit of laying on the beach, a little bit of by the pool, um, and and then after a couple of years, you know, you do start to get a little bit bored. I started my website and bought the house, so I've just had plenty to do. Um, so I guess it's personal. Some people, I know, I know there's a, a community here, um, a big community. I was just at a, a birthday party the other night where um, there was a band playing and a lot of retired folks uh, um, uh, enjoy playing their instruments and um, they go around and do gigs, uh, gigs around the, the country. They, they play rock and, you know, uh, upbeat stuff, not like. Uh, oh, really cool is that, that there's a group of retirees um, playing in a band. So I think everybody has to find find out their their way after CoSFI and also um, unlearn the the work lifestyle, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is really hard, of uh, of course. Any other actionable tip uh, for someone who just got started uh, on the path to FI? You know the key. The key is to remember is and an, until they invent a time machine, you can't go back and change things. So, you know, my dad um, said to me when I was a kid, you know, whatever you earn, you save ten percent. Doesn't matter what happens, um, unless it's life or death situation, ten percent of what you earn goes. Um, in, into savings for for the future. Now, um, I live frugally, and I was lucky enough to to have a, uh, a decent income, so I was I was able to do more than ten uh, percent. Um, but just when when you're first starting out, save as much as you can, and remember. For every pound or, or euro or dollar that you spend, you need to make three to replace it. The one that you've spent, you need the one to replace it and then the one to pay tax on it, uh, depending on where you live. So for every for every pound, euro or, or dollar that you earn, you've got, to, you've got to do three to replace it. And if you remember that, it makes you think before you spend on, on things that are not necessary. You can't, you can't go back and change what you didn't do before. And I'm, I, I'm very happy with what I did. I saved and as we spoke about earlier did that and that's that's the advice I'd give if you're just starting out it's very possible it's very doable um, you could probably do it a lot sooner than I did if you learn from the information that's out there now and the uh, investments and, and the groups the fire groups that are out there like Firehub um, and just just stick with it you'll get there man pretty cool so thank you for being in our uh, our guest in the interview and I uh, hope to see us each other maybe in Portugal next year and yeah Thank you for being our guest. See you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah, th thanks for having me, and it's been great. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books, and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.